You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It has been a busy Tuesday in Sunsland. John Gambadoro of Arizona Sports reporting that the Suns and Kings have had discussions involving a trade with DeMarcus Cousins, the all-star center, going to Phoenix. The Suns were also on national television last night on TNT. They had a 115-96 loss to the Grizzlies. We are going to talk about both of those things tonight on a supersized edition of Locked On Suns. I am joined, as always, by Eddie House. Eddie, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. It's nice to have a, a little bit of relevance around the team. Uh, the game last night certainly wasn't that. We'll talk about that later, but uh, this DeMarcus Cousins uh, news is a, is big. Uh, I don't from my perspective, I don't really see it as a realistic possibility at all for DeMarcus Cousins to arrive in Phoenix. But uh, the report, in case you missed it on ArizonaSports.com, uh, the, I think the uh, article was really well written, in my opinion. That's because I wrote it. Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, report was that Gamadoro reports the discussions have centered around involving small forward TJ Warren, center Alex Len, Phoenix's first-round pick this year, and possibly more. The key thing about possibly more is that it is probably going to take much more than that to acquire someone like DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, what Gamadora went on to note is that this 2017 draft class has a lot of point guards in it, and Sacramento has been looking for their next future great point guard for quite some time. And with the Suns draft pick and their own draft pick, they could, or they of course don't have their own draft pick. They have this, the pick swap coming in with Philly, so they could use all the help they could get in the draft, and that might come from the Suns in a deal like this. Gambadoro, though, the big thing to note in the in the uh, column, in my opinion, is that Gambo said Eric Bledsoe and Dembucker would not be in the deal. So if there was a DeMarcus Cousins trade with the Suns and the Kings, the big three for the Suns would be Eric Bledsoe, Dembucker, and DeMarcus Cousins. That would be a pretty good uh, improvement for the Suns, wouldn't you think, Eddie? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, I mean, if you could get a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who is – probably the best big man in the game you know um let's not get caught up in all the 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 stuff that he you know his temper tantrums and the technical foul let's get caught up in his body of work you know what i mean his body of work has been solid since he came into the league he got 14 points eight rebounds his rookie season improved to 18 points and 11 rebounds the next year went down on points to 17 and went down on rebounds to nine, almost 9.9, almost 10 from then on out been giving you a double, double 22, 24, 26 and 28 on the point side, 11, 12, 11 and 10 on the rebound side. So when you look at this guy right here, he's the, the premier center in the league. If you can acquire a guy like this, who doesn't have an expiring contract coming up, I think you have to you have to go ahead and, and, and try to take take advantage of that. Um, if, if it is giving up a first round draft pick, I mean, who in the draft can really help the Suns except maybe jo- uh, Josh Jackson? You know, yeah. Uh, um, the the main question is like of all of the players, like we can even include Bender and Chris in this discussion. Bender, Chris, Warren, Len, and like the first round picks that you have. Can you guarantee that any of those players and picks are going to wind up being better than DeMarcus Cousins? And the obvious answer is no. Cousins is one of the best 10 players in the league right now, 15 best players in the league. And, you know, again, you as proven or potential. Well, potentially maybe, but then <laughs> this has been proven. 
that yep. this is what this guy does. Um, even though he does have, I think he just needs to get out of Sacramento, just have a change of scenery. Me too. Um, you know, to come here, it, it's going to be tough. You know, it, it's it's tough in Phoenix. You got to think about the people that came out here, the 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 players that have have came through Phoenix, and been really good players, but then have some problems off the court, whatever it is, you know, and I don't want to highlight those things because it's been a n- number of them, you know what I mean? And all over the news today, some of them were with, uh, uh, you know, uh, former sons. Great. Probably the best sons that son that ever played. I want to say, I don't think there can anybody argue that there was a better son than Charles Barkley. I don't know. I, I don't know either. Yeah, uh, I mean, he took him to the NBA Finals. Nash didn't. Nash won two MVPs, but I think the consensus about one of his MVPs is that it should have gone to someone else. But I, Barkley is certainly one two right there. And, and Charles Barkley, being a guy who has had an MVP, led his team to the finals. I don't think there has been another Suns player ha- who has done that. So he probably is the best son of all time. We could we could put him up there. You know, it, depending on because uh, th- this is all opinion, and I'm not saying that that's my best son of all time. But if you want to look at the totality of work, what he done, what he accomplished for that team, maybe he's the best son of all time. Everybody has their own opinion, but at the same time, his basketball work is his work. Demarcus Cousins' work is his work on the basketball court. Now, can he come here and do that same thing and stay out of? the trouble because it's, it's going to be a little bit more people yeah, you're, be a little uh, bit to quickly cut you off uh you're speaking to lebron james uh if you missed it last night basically called out charles barkley after charles barkley been calling out him and brought up past uh things that have happened with barkley barkley threw someone through a window he spit in a kid's face and you're saying basically that if we were able to overlook that uh for charles barkley we should be more than capable of overlooking what cousins has done which is not even close to some of the stuff barkley did back in the day Everything that DeMarcus Cousin has done has is, is been on the court. It's been on the court problems. It's been uh, technical fouls, um, uh, getting into it with, with, with other players, which leads to technical fouls, maybe having a riff with a head coach, things like that. And, you know, you, you want to nip those in the but you don't want that to happen. But I think it, a change of scenery would, would definitely help him. He's been in the same spot, in the same rut. They're not a team that has – Playoff aspirations, not a team that's been on the cusp of making the playoffs at all uh, his whole career. So I think a change of scenery will help him. And he's not coming to a team that's going to make the playoffs. But moving forward, he can look at what he has with him to other Kentucky Wildcats and say, hey, you know what? I know you guys. I know how we. Yep, let's let's do this. You know what I mean, and mm. let me, I'll I'll get my stuff together. You know what I'm saying? Because Ron Rajon Rondo, another former Kentucky Wildcat, was a, was the only player that they said was able to kind of keep him under control, right? And I don't think that that it, I think it's a, a matter of him wanting to be somewhere and winning, winning take care of everything. So, um, I mean, I would I would I would make the trade. And I, I told Tom Leander that a long time uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, I want to say it was the first game we played was Sacramento Kings mm-hmm. opening home game. And I said, uh, Boogie Cousins is a guy that I would love to have. Regardless on whatever he brings, I would love to have a guy like that. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting debate in terms of looking at at one door behind it. You've got a big three of Eric Bledsoe. Devin Booker and DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins and Bledsoe are your 
are your one-two. Booker is a third guy who could really start to break out and become that second or even that first option in a couple in a couple of years, depending on what his development is like. And then you've got role players around him. I'm guessing Leandro Barbosa, Jared Dudley, P.J. Tucker, those guys are kind of hanging around. Tyson Chandler as well. Behind door two, you've got a group led by Booker with Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, whoever they select in this year's draft. They've got the Miami picks as well in the future, as well as their own picks. Tyler Ulysses is in that group, TJ Warren, Alex Len. It's an interesting choice there, and I think I'm with you. I think if you can get DeMarcus Cousins, especially without giving up Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker, I think you have to do it. This is what McDonough has been waiting for for years. He, he publicly said before the Brandon Knight trades that they are waiting. They have the assets. They are waiting for the next guy to become available, the next James Harden trade. That's how far back we're talking about, by the way. Like The James Harden trade recently happened, and he was like, we want that to be us next, the, the team to take advantage of a star in a bad situation. And OKC wasn't a terrible situation. They were trying to clear up money. That's what they were trying to do. But the next star that's available for whatever reasons, and that is without a doubt DeMarcus Cousins right now. So it makes sense to see the Suns in those discussions. I'm also with you in believing in Boogie. Just needs a new situation. I love Boogie as a player. Um, The players in the NBA to average at least 24 points and 10 rebounds in a season in the past two years. Only him and Anthony Davis have done it, and they've both done it in back-to-back years. And, of course, Boogie this year is averaging 28-11. and 11. So he's going to do that for the third straight year. Just simply put, he's the best big man in the league, like you said. And if you can add that kind of piece, he's only 26 years old. A lot of people are making a big deal that his next contract extension, which is going to, if he doesn't get a contract extension, he will be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2018. So next summer, his extension would be north of $200 million. But... That's what you pay the best big man in the league, right, Eddie? You pay him a lot well, of money. Well, you play the, the best player at his position in that league, you know. Uh, yep. What, what, what in the league, what, whatever they they are deserving, and if they are putting up numbers that nobody else is doing, or one or two other guys are doing, then they need to be compensated for that. Um, it, that that's the business of not only basketball, but that's the business everywhere. You know, you if you're doing good work, you want to be compensated for what you're doing. And at the same time, if you're doing great work, you want to be compensated like a great. And, um, you know, I think that's just a move that if the Suns have an opportunity to take it, I mean, I think they just have to take it. I I mean, you have to cut tie. Do I think Dragon Bender will ever do with DeMarcus Cousins? No, he won't. No. And and, uh, I'm going to say that right now. He will never be a 25 or 24, 22 or 28 and 10 guy. He just will never be that. Eddie, I think um, you can make the case that Chris and Bender together, if you just put their skills together, they wouldn't equal the one player that DeMarcus Cousins is right now. He's I mean, You know what? To, to be honest, he is a special player. And I wouldn't say, well, Marquise, because Marquise, he's in foul trouble a lot. We, he's, this is a guy who hasn't tapped into his basketball skills. Yep. He's been a football player a, a long time. And he's just now tapping into his basketball. He's just learning the game right now. And he has to ratchet it back. So now I, I'm not going to just put that. But Bender's been playing professional basketball for a long time, you know, playing against grown men. And, and this is how it goes. You know, he's he's been a professional, been getting paid to play basketball for a long time. He's going to pay a lot of more, a lot more money now than he has ever been. But at the same time, he's been playing professional basketball where Chris, I don't know. I can answer that after I see him play professional basketball two to three years, you know, two years down the road. So he has three years behind him, maybe four years. Then I could give you a a definite like, okay, you know what? 
you could put them together and they'll equal what Boogie does. But I can't do that right now because this guy is still learning, you know, at the same time. And I know they're both young and, and, but at the, when, when, well, what I'm saying is one guy's been playing basketball forever. One guy's just been starting to play basketball. Yeah, that's a rabbit hole I don't really want to dive down right now. I want to keep the focus on DeMarcus. But the one more note on him I want to add is that he is on his sixth head coach in seven years right now. Uh, to, that seems like a huge deal for me. Uh, but as a former player, speak to what you have to deal with whenever you have a head coaching change. Well, it is, I don't think he's the guy getting the guy fired. You know, at the end no. of the day, there's, there's a GM that's there that's firing him. So there's something to say about the person that's hiring and doing the firing. You know what I mean? Who's hiring the guy that's doing the hiring and firing? You know, as far as so it goes up to the owner, down to the GM, and every everybody in between. So uh, at that point, you have to just adjust. And, and this guy, with all that that we're saying, you know, six coaches and, and seven, right? But he's still going up in numbers. Yep. He's still averaging 21 and almost 11. You know, so w- with that being said, imagine if he was able to believe in one of them and say, okay, yeah, this, this is what I need to do. Okay, I'm going to do this. And now he's able to hold people accountable for what they're doing because they're not doing their job and because of w- what the coach puts out there, and that's their philosophy. You know what I mean? So, but it, it changes every year. I mean, I mean, it, it's hard. It's, it's tough. But at the same time, you are a professional. You are a player. You're going to do what you do. That's why guys go to Sacramento, they come in, they fall off, or they look good, and they fall off. But he is not a guy that has fell off. He's a guy that's been consistent. Do you think Earl Watson could be that coach that he would connect with? It seems like Earl's like philosophies match up really well with where players are at. You know what? At the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Boogie Cousins. I don't know. I don't know DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know him. I've never had a conversation with him. I've never sat down and and asked him what his goals are in, in, in the game. You know, not just in life, but just in the game. What were you trying to accomplish in the game? Where you see yourself five years from now? I mean, I had that conversation with him, so I couldn't say uh, if he gets – do we want – of course you want that, but at the end of the day, I don't know. It's a lot of people that just see the baggage that he comes with, the technical fouls and how he is, and I think that could be frustration from losing. You know what I mean? Nobody likes to lose, especially when you're putting up big-time numbers. You're doing everything you can – to make your team win and y'all still losing, you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And if you don't turn your frustration onto your teammates or your coach, you could lash out to whoever's out there. That could be the opposing team or the referees. You know, just putting it out there. I think this guy's a winner. I think this guy wants to win is what I mean by that. I think he wants to win. He wants to do the best for his team. And he's been proving that. And if we can get that type of guy – I mean, that, that's a, a, a step in the right direction. Especially when you've got Eric Bledsoe with him, who, of course, grew up with him in Alabama and spent a year with him at Kentucky. They are buddies. Cousins has said in the past that he would love to play with him, and that just seems like a really good fit off the jump for Cousins to get comfortable in the situation. Uh, this is obviously something we're going to be monitoring and talking about extensively here on the podcast as we get more developments, if there are any. February 1st is tomorrow, and the trade deadline is on the 23rd, so we are going to be dealing with that uh, and talking about that, I should say, throughout the rest of the podcast. Uh, Let's go on to uh, last night's game, though. A little bit less to say on that, to say the least. Uh, 115-96 loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Eddie, Mike Conley was a stone-cold killer out there. 
Oh, yeah, no, he was. And um, I said it on, on the post-game show last night that he it, it was like Eric Bledsoe was his son. And not this is, <laughs> it, you, know, you know, this is just, it's just talking. You. you know what I mean? Went to school, got suspended for some stuff he shouldn't have done, and had to come <laughs> home and get ass whooping. Because that's what happened. He got his ass whooped. And I haven't seen Eric Bledsoe get whooped like that. He Me just either, controlled man. the game from start oh to finish. God. You know, it was one of those uh, – it was just one of those games to where this guy, you say he's the highest played player in the NBA. You don't believe it, but then you see what he does and you say, okay, well, would I, what other point guard would I want besides him? It's only uh, a few that only, you could probably say. Yeah. Who would you say? You'd say CP3, Westbrook. Uh, I mean, CP3 gets hurt a lot, and he's later on in his career. You'll probably say Steph. You'll probably say Westbrook, and you'll probably say Kyrie. Lowry? Would you take Lowry over him? No. No? I man, no, I, I feel the way he played last time, man. I don't, I don't know either. I would not take Lowry over him. Uh, this is the thing. He has been doing what he has been doing for a long time. Sure has. It's just been overlooked. You know, it's because – they play in a market that's not a big market. They're not on TV all the time, but they're always in the playoffs if you think about it. In the last few playoffs, he's been hurt. He had the broke face. You know what I mean? Then he had uh, whatever it was. Uh, what was it last year that, that ended up making him be in? Was it an ankle? I want to say it was something in the feet. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. been dealing with stuff. So it was that, that those two things, and those are like those freakish type accidents. You know what I mean? Those aren't like same thing with CP3, but CP3 is on the on the back end of his career where I think this guy is right now peaking. Um, you know, set a career high last night. He's a guy that sets up his teammates. He gets steals as a point guard, and he can shoot the three if you go under. If you go un- over, and he can shoot that shot to where he could get the mid-range shot, and he could do the floater with either hand, and it looks the same. This is a guy that just is a really good player that goes, uh, flies under the radar, very underrated, but a very good player. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people talk about his contract, but at the same time, when we say point guards, who would you take? There's not too many guys that I would take over him. Yeah, especially after the way he played last night, man. He was sensational. He had 38 points on 18 shots, 7 of 10 from 3. Probably one of the best shooting performances of his career, but he earned it. 9 assists, 6 rebounds, turned over the ball only twice, had 2 steals as well, was a plus 29. Eric Bledsoe on the other end, 3 of 11. He had 4 assists, 6 turnovers, 14 points. I think this is the second straight time we've seen in recent weeks where Bledsoe has had a really big game, a 40-plus point game, I want to say. Uh, or a 40-point game or above, and has come back and really struggled in the next game. Devin Booker as well had a rough going. I mean, who doesn't have a rough going when they're being shadowed by Tony Allen? And, man, Tony Allen was just everywhere. And uh, Book got his 20. He got up to 22 and got his 20-plus point streak there towards the end of the game when it was out of hand. But uh, Tony Allen and James Ennis were really giving him problems all night. Yeah, well, Tony Allen's going to give a lot of guys problems. Uh, yeah. Kobe Bryant said that's one of the toughest defenders he's ever played against. So when you get one of the best scorers to ever play the history in the history of the game to give a guy credit like that, you know he's a hell of a defender, um, a guy that I played with. And I know that that type of size, like like those guys, he can give problems to. He he plays them extremely well. He He can anticipate them. He has quick feet, good hips, good hands. Good instincts, um, 
you know, he's getting older, but still he still has that toughness. And and he made it tough on, on Devin, and they brought him back in late with well, maybe three or four minutes left to get his 20 so they could keep that streak going, which was a good thing. You know, uh, at least they recognize that and want him to have it and keep trying to improve on that streak. That's a good thing. Um, I, I like stuff like that. You know, at the same time, instead of just conceding and saying, oh, you know what, it's over with. This game is done. Just sit on down. You didn't get your dub. It's over. No, go get your dub. And get your 20 points. Make sure you keep your streak alive. I understand. I recognize. I'm aware of the fact that that's what's going on. And I know you are, too, because I've been a player before, and players are aware of stuff, even though they act like they're not. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, go ahead and get it. So that was a good thing. It was. It was. And it was nice to see him stay really aggressive throughout the game. I can't imagine being defended by someone like Tony Allen, even if I had like the skills and the body of like Devin Booker, I couldn't imagine being hounded by him. And uh, Booker just kept going at him nonstop. He was 6 of 20 on the night, so not very impressive, but he was 10 of 12 from the line. That's something we've talked about with Book in the past is a criticism we've had of not getting to the free throw line enough. He got there. He was very physical tonight. Uh, the one guy that stood out for the Suns, though, here before we go, Marquise Chris. You spoke about him early, career high, 20 points. Eddie, it seems like the one guy on the team, uh, besides Booker exploding in the past month, that we've seen constant improvement from, uh, from the beginning of the season to now, has been Marquise Chris. A great game last night for him. Yeah, it was a real good game. And the, the, the good thing that, that happened was he stayed out of foul trouble. And I think that's the most important thing for him. I hit on it earlier. If he could just stay on the court you know, and get a rhythm, I think the more he'll learn and the more he could get better. We talk about an upside for somebody – he has a huge upside. reason why I say that is because he hasn't played basketball that much. So we're seeing a guy that's just a free, one of those freakish athletes. You know what I mean? That, that can just play, that can adapt, that can make a difference in different ways. He could block shots. He can uh, score the basketball from the outside. He can run the floor. He could take the ball off the break and, and finish the ball. You know, he could get a steal and finish with a couple highlight dunks last night. But – He's one of those guys to where you have to keep your eye on him. He doesn't know his he doesn't even know what he can do yet. Yep. You know, and that that's the thing. He has no idea what he is able to do because he hasn't been playing long enough. You know, he's still tapping into things and moving up, moving up, moving up. And that's why I think he he's so much he he he's a promise for the Suns. And the the key for him is to stay out of foul trouble. So he can stay on the floor because that's the only way you learn is being on the court. Yeah, he's going to have to continue to get better at staying out of foul trouble because, like you said, it's pivotal for his improvement because he simply stays on the floor. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday or sorry Thursday. Uh, that is not tomorrow. We are going to take a day off tomorrow. We brought you the supersized episode today to talk about Cousins, talk about Memphis. Uh, not really much to talk about tomorrow besides the Clippers game, but we will recap that for you on Thursday. The Suns have lost four in a row have really started playing some of their worst basketball this season really in these last three games. So not much to talk about on the preview side. We all know what the Suns have to do to come out and get a win. We've been talking about it all season. And at 15 and 33, they haven't been doing much of it, to be honest. But like I said, once again, we are off on Wednesday. We'll be back on Thursday to recap the Clippers game. We will talk to you guys then on Lockdown Suns.